Scripture changes everything. You may remember that. And in that message, as Brother Howe mentioned, I did share how Easter changes how we view Christ's death. Uh, Easter changes how we perceive time. It changes how we regard our lives. It also changes on how we reflect on death. The big idea behind that whole message was twofold because it wasn't just the fact that Easter changes everything. Uh, it leads into this message today because uh, the big idea behind that message is that we need to rightfully understand the things that prohibit us from making a fresh start in our life. And for so many people, Easter is the beginning of a fresh start. And it should be because with the resurrection of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, it should cause the believer to have a fresh start. Uh, before, things seem, things seem pretty ins insignificant. Or they seem pretty important, rather. But now, in light of Christ's resurrection, they do seem insignificant. Before, time was limited. But now, because Christ rose from the grave, eternity is available for every believer. Before, life was filled with despair. But now, because the tomb is empty, life, a life lived for Christ can be filled with purpose, it can be filled with direction, it can be filled with meaning. But also, before, death was the end. Death was it. It was the end. But now, because Jesus lives, we can just start our lives. We can get a fresh start. You know, change often involves a fresh start. If there's going to be a change in your life, well, there's going to have to be a fresh start in your life. And let's face it, the truth is that we all, from time to time, need a fresh start. Think about it. Our relationship with God impacts or determines the impact that our lives will have. That's life principle number one in our Sunday school class. It's something that we're growing in. Our relationship with God determines the impact our life will have. And if your life is not having any impact, I want to encourage you this morning to take a fresh start. To have a fresh start. You need to be making a difference. You know, I can remember when I was growing up, our family had a swimming pool. However, with the luxury of having a swimming pool, we also had the luxury of having five acres to mow and hedge and trim and do all that yard work in it. Uh, and I can't remember how many times uh, while working my tail off in that hot Florida sun that I would stop, go take a dip in the pool, and just within just a few minutes, I would be refreshed and ready for a fresh start. As Christians, we often find ourselves in need of a fresh start. A fresh start so that we can make positive changes in our life. Thankfully, as always, God's Word gives us some clear direction and some great advice for a fresh start. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 for some real simplified, basic, great advice for making a fresh start in your life. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, Paul writes to believers. He's writing to Christians that may be in need of a fresh start. And he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Let us pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you give chance after chance for us to do your will. And Lord, it's my prayer today that the change that has been brought about by the risen Lord Jesus will so make a difference in our life that we will make a fresh start beginning today. A fresh start to allow you to use our lives to impact the world we live in. We pray it in the glorious name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. The New Living Translation interprets those same verses this way. Listen carefully. Be careful. Say be careful. Be careful how you live. Not like a fool, but rather as one who is wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. And don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what it is the Lord wants you to do. Be careful. You said it. Every one of those, every one of us has heard those words come out of mama's lips. Amen? Be careful. My mama would say, be careful playing with that or you'll hurt yourself. As a teenager, I can remember mama saying, be careful and drive safely. Be careful. We even say it to one another as we're leaving. Hey, be careful out there. Be careful. It's important. And the message, friends, in these verses is very simple. It's be careful how you live your life. Be careful how you live your life. And then Paul gives us three important instructions for us to consider. The first of which is realize, friend, that your time on earth is limited. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You see, wise people make the most of their time. Wise people realize that their time is limited. Wise people realize that there's only so much time that's available to us. So a wise person uses time while a foolish person wastes time. Over and over again, the scriptures warn us that our time on earth is not unlimited. The psalmist says in Psalm 39, 4, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. We learned that this week in the passing of Keith Kirby. How frail life is. And as Brother Chad shared in, in, in Sunday school, how on the turn of a dime, life can change. The flip of a switch, your life can change from everything going well to, as Chad said, absolute chaos. From everything going right to everything being upside down. So I want to challenge you, realizing that, that those changes can happen instantaneously. I want to challenge you to know the measure of your days, to know how frail you are, to know how brief this life you're living truly is. Here's a man that knew the context of that, knew that full well, Job, amen? He saw how quickly life can change. One little storm blows through and takes all seven of his kids at once. 
took all of his money, all of his wealth. The only thing it didn't take was a nagging wife. But God used her too, amen? Job knew it, and listen to what he said. Man born who is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Another psalmist wrote in Psalm 90 verse 12, Teach us to number our days. Why? That we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wise people. Wise people number their days. Wise people realize that their time on earth is limited. Wise people realize that time is valuable. And it's valuable because it's so priceless and it's so frail and can be taken in a breath. You never get it back. Wise people realize that time is something you can never repeat. Wise people realize that time is something you can never relive. Once it's gone, it's gone. There's no such thing as instant replay when it comes to life. So how can we make the most of our time as we begin making a fresh start? Just a couple of suggestions. One is, friend, refuse to be in bondage to the past. Refuse to be in bondage to the past. No matter what's happened in your life, no matter how extreme your situation may be, you don't have to be in bondage to your past. Now, you may be experiencing some, some great transitions in your life right now. A lot of things may be upsetting your apple cart right now. There may be a lot of change going on in your life right now. Maybe your kids are, have grown up and they're moving out. Perhaps uh, your job came to an end and now you're experiencing some, some difficulties financially. Maybe you had a loved one to pass away and you're trying to deal with that loss. Maybe sin has gotten a real hold on your life and you're dealing with the guilt that that sin brings. But just remember this. There are two great enemies of your happiness. Two enemies of your happiness. One is anxiety about what might happen in the future. That's an enemy of your happiness. Because you don't control that. It's uncertain. But the other enemy of your happiness is regrets about the past. If you live in constant regret about the past, you are living in bondage to the past. So often we, we try to make a fresh start, and we should. But we're still asking only what if. What if? What if I hadn't lost my job? What if I could have made just a little more money last year? What if my spouse hadn't passed away? We still dwell on that what might have been mentality. We still dwell on that if only mentality. But here's what we should say. Here's what we should say. I'm making a fresh start, and by the grace of God, I'm going to move forward. Say move forward. Say it louder. I'm going to move forward and be all God wants me to be. I'm going to let go of the past, and I'm going to move forward into what God wants me to be.
So how can we make the most of our time as we make a fresh start? One, refuse to be in bondage to your past. Number two, establish some strong priorities in your life. Some people have developed some real strong priorities. They're just the wrong priorities. Amen? Am I the only one? Me and Richard? Amen? A lot of people develop some strong priorities. They're just the wrong ones. We need to develop the right strong priorities in life. Now, you may have heard about this expert. He was an expert on time management. And he was speaking to a large group of students. And after speaking to them for a while, he said, okay, it's time for a quiz. He took this large one-gallon mason jar and set it up on the table. And he began putting about a dozen fist-sized rocks down in that mason jar. And he filled that jar all the way to the top. And when no more rocks would fit inside that mason jar, he asked the class, is it full? And they all said, well, yeah, it's full. And he said, no, it's not. He then pulled out another jar, a bucket of gravel, and he poured the gravel into that mason jar and started shaking it, and the gravel filled all the gaps between the large rocks. And he said, again, is the jar full? They were kind of on to him now, so they said, probably not. He said, very good. That's right. Because he then took out a big old bucket of sand, and he poured the sand into that bucket, and he shook the jar, and that sand worked its way in between the gravel and in between the, the large rocks. And then after he'd done that, he said, is it full? And they said, no. <laughs> no. And he said, very good. Because then he took out a pitcher of water. And he poured that pitcher of water. And he filled that jar all the way up to the very brim. And after doing this and, and allowing that illustration to sit on that table, he asked them, what is the point of this illustration? One wise guy raised his hand and said, no matter how full your schedule is, if you try real hard, you can always fit more into it. No, that's not what it means. He said, the point of this illustration is this, and listen carefully. If you don't put the big rocks in first, they'll never get in at all. What are the big rocks in your life, Christian? What are the big rocks in your life? I'd like to share with you three suggestions of what they should be. One, Every day, drawing nearer to God. Number two, every day spending time with God in prayer. Number three, every day seeking His guidance for your life through His Word. Those are three big rocks that if you don't put them in first, they'll never make it in. That's why I'm such a big proponent of starting and having your devotion time first thing in the morning. If you've got to get up 30 minutes early to do it, you need to do it. Because you won't get the big rocks in first. It won't be long when the clutter and the distractions of this life will come. And they'll take the place and you'll never get it in. You'll never get it in. So remember, put the big rocks in first or you'll never get them in. Jesus once said to his disciples this. He said, seek first. Say, seek first. Not second. Not after lunch. 
Not before I go to bed. What did he say? Say it louder. All of you now. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other rocks will come to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things that you're so worried about will be added to you. Friends, because our time on earth is so limited, we can't afford to dwell in the past, neither can you afford to have the wrong priorities. You better put the big rocks in first or they'll never get in. Because our time is so limited, we must also make the most of every opportunity. Verse 15, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Would you agree that for the most part the days we live in are evil? I know in our little world it don't seem so evil. But if you look at the world on a global scale, and you see all the killing, and all the starving, and all the homelessness, and all the crime, all the murder. I'd say that the days we're living in are filled with evil. Redeem the time because the days are evil. That phrase, redeeming the time, can also be translated, make the most of them. Make the most of them. Or, buy it up. It's a word from the marketplace, you see. And it's really a good thing that I'm not wealthy. Amen? It's a good thing I'm not wealthy because if I were wealthy, I'd be at Sam's every other day looking for bargains. And you know what I'd do with them bargains? I'd buy them up. I'd have to buy another barn to, buy, to store all the things that I'm buying up as I buy up bargains. That's what redeeming the time means. You find your bargains and you buy up your bargains because you know they won't last long. You know that the, the manager is going to come in and he's going to change the price on that TV. He's going to change the price on that, that case of beans, amen? That doesn't last long. Those things are passing. Those bargains are passing. So i got to buy them up. Therefore, we got to make the most of those bargains. Make the most of the opportunity. Buy them while the buying's good, Amen? Buy them up. That's what redeeming the time means. We should buy up the opportunities that are created by the evil days we live in. Buy up those opportunities. Buy up every opportunity and use your time wisely. Now, redeeming the time. There are three words in the New Testament that are used for that word time. One is the, the Greek word hora, which means hour. That's pretty uh, self-explanatory. The second word is chronos, which is uh, the word that is used for our English word uh, chronology. It refers to a, a measured period of time. But the third word is the word that Paul uses here in the Bible when he says redeeming the time. And it's the word keros. And it refers to a appointed time. You are here this morning at 1030 because it's your appointed time. You have appointed this time. You know that come 12 o'clock, quarter to 12, Brother Bill's going to be done preaching, amen? He's going to be done preaching, and that opportunity for you to worship God will have passed, right? 
But this is the appointed time where you can gather together with these brothers and sisters at this particular time, at this particular phase of their life. Because if you wait until 12 o'clock, 12.01, I can guarantee you that this specific time of their life will have passed and you will have missed the opportunity. Redeem the time. Make the most of this opportunity. That's what that word time means. Uh, appointed time. An opportune moment. And I want to tell you that I believe that this particular time in our generation is our appointed time here at Bethel. This is our appointed time whereby we get to go out into our community and make a difference. Make an impact for the Lord Jesus. This is our appointed time. Are you making the most of every opportunity? Are you grabbing up? Are you redeeming this time? Because when you're gone, the opportunity will have passed. Paul is saying that we should seize the moment. Seize this moment when the opportunity knocks. And when opportunity knocks, don't let that occasion pass you by. When there's an opportunity to be here for outreach, don't you miss that opportunity. You say, oh, I'll do it next week. But that opportunity, while someone's heart is tender, may have passed and you'll never get that chance again. That person who needs your love because they're so sick, well, they might be well next week. And you will have missed your opportunity to minister to them and show the love of Jesus. So seize the opportunities that, that God gives you, that God has got planned for you. Do you know that he's got opportunities planned for you? In his sovereignty, he knows what he's doing. He's got things in store for you, places he wants you to go. He wants you to go to New Orleans to a mission trip. He wants you to go down to Panama City Beach to that worship conference. He wants you to go in our community. He's got opportunities for you. Are you going to seize the moment or are you going to let it pass? Redeem the time because the days are indeed evil. I don't want to miss any God-given opportunities. I never want to miss a God-given opportunity to make a fresh start. We can do that today. Richard Swenson is a medical doctor and he wrote a book about one of the reasons why we miss God-given opportunities. He said that there's a major challenge that people have with their time. And it can be related in one word. And that word is overload. People are just plain overloaded. And they're overloaded in many categories. One, they're overloaded with commitments. We've committed ourselves to go here, to go there, to take part in this activity, to take part in this social function. Meanwhile, God's work takes a back burner. Somebody didn't put the big rock in first. Because other things are taking priority. As a result, we start meeting ourselves coming and going because we've overloaded ourselves in the area of commitments. Another one. We've overloaded ourselves with possessions. Your closet's full, so is your garage. We've gone into debt to pay for all the things that we simply must have. 
But the truth is, you and I know it, we are way overloaded with possessions. Thirdly, we're overloaded in the area of work. So many people in the United States, they get up early, they fight traffic for an hour and a half before they even get to work. Can you imagine that? Now, we don't know what that feels like. But can you imagine sitting, stopped in traffic on an interstate for an hour before you even get to work? Man, whoo! I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. But here's the reason they do that. They keep doing that. Because they got to pay for all those possessions. So they put up with the horrible working conditions and the, the hour-long traffic coming and going. But the reality is they just got to pay for the possessions they've accumulated. And so they keep doing it. But there's also information overload. <laughs> Almost every telephone now has the ability to receive the Internet on it. Amen? We're constantly being overloaded with information that we can't possibly use. You can find some really off-the-wall stuff on the Internet. Uh, we can't possibly absorb all this information. And with all that information just being bombarded at us, sometimes we just get overloaded. Do you get the picture of what I'm talking about? What I'm talking about is, is that a lot of other things are the big rocks. And God's work, God's ministry, God's use of you takes the back burner and now you're overloaded with the wrong stuff. There's so many demands on our life. You've got to do so many good things. But you only got 24 hours. You only got 8,760 hours every year. But we all got the same amount of time. We all got the same uh, 24 hours every day. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Big rocks first? What's your big rocks? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to spend that precious time that God's given you? How are you going to get use that precious opportunity, that opportune moment, that appointed time? You know, Tuesday could have been your appointed time. And if you missed it, it can never come again. It might have been the opportune moment that God would have used you to express his love to somebody. But you may have had the wrong priorities. Something else was your big rock. And so you missed that opportunity. You missed that appointed time. Because our time is limited, we must make the most of every opportunity. And if we're going to make the most of every opportunity, then we need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand the Lord's will. To use this time that we've been given, this precious time that we've been given, to use it wisely, we've got to know how we ought to use it in a way that pleases God. You ought to make it your point. To ask God daily, how do you want me to use this day? How do you want me to use this precious time that you've given me today? That word translated understand there in verse 17. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Can be translated 
taking all the little bits and pieces of information that God's provided and simulating it and making sense of it. Understand it. Understand what God wants you to do here and there and here. God's word says that we're very wise if we choose to live God's way. And Romans 13 teaches us this. Make sure that you don't get so exhausted taking care of your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of time, you doze off, becoming totally unaware of what God wants to do through you. Beware. We can't afford to waste a single moment. We can't afford to squander these precious hours indulging in sin, trying to grab everything in sight, trying to store up possessions. It's time to get out of bed, to get dressed, to get to work. Don't loaf around. Don't linger about. Don't wait to the last minute. People say, well, if he's unsaved today, he'll be unsaved tomorrow. I'll get to him then. But what if he's gone tomorrow and you've missed the appointed time You've missed the opportune moment. What if Jesus declared his return in about two weeks? If you knew beyond a shadow of doubt Jesus was coming back and all those who had not professed their faith in Christ, they were going to hell. If you knew that and you believed that beyond a shadow of a doubt, would you participate in the outreach ministry of the church? Would you want to make sure that that all these children who are just getting to the age of accountability, would you want to make sure that they'd heard about Jesus? Would you want to make sure, if you knew Jesus was coming back in a couple of weeks, would you want to make sure that you worshipped him in spirit and in truth? Of course you would. Let us not wait to the last minute because we don't know if it's tomorrow or two weeks. We don't know. So dress yourselves up in Christ and be up and about his business. Listen carefully. Did you know that the Bible states unequivocally that we will all, say all, we will all stand before the Lord one day. And we all, say all, and we all will have to give an account of every day that we lived. You will give an account to God for those opportune moments you took advantage of and the ones you didn't. When that happens, not if that happens, but when that happens, are you going to be able to say, I made good use of every God-given opportunity? Will you be able to say, I've lived my life in tune with God's desires for my life? Friends, I'm not so naive to think that we're not going to make mistakes and we're not going to be selfish at times and we're not going to take time for just us every now and then. But I'm just telling you what the Bible says. 
And that is that we'll all stand before him. Him who loved us more than we can fathom. Him whom we declare to love. And we're going to give an account of how we lived our days. I want you to know that in Lamentations chapter 3, the Bible says that the faithful love of the Lord never ends towards you. Never. It says that His mercy never ceases toward you. It says that His faithfulness is so great, it never ceases towards you. But it also says that His goodness toward you begins afresh every morning. So every morning, you can make a fresh start. Every morning, you can realize that your time on earth is limited. This could be the last day. Whether it be my passing or Jesus' coming, it could be my last day. His goodness toward you begins afresh every day. You can start fresh by making the most of every opportunity. You know, put your antenna up. Be listening to God-given opportunities to be a witness, to show the love of Jesus, to be compassionate, to be encouraging. Don't miss an opportunity. It begins afresh every morning as you seek to understand what the will of the Lord is. Do I believe that God speaks in prayer? I believe He does. It's a still, soft whisper, perhaps a thought He's placed in our mind, a feeling perhaps He's placed in our heart, but no clearer does God speak than through His Word. And if you don't understand His Word, if you're not seeking to understand His Word, then you will not know what the Lord's will is. Will you refuse to be in bondage to the past? Will you seek to establish strong, God-centered priorities? Sometimes we need a wake-up call, amen? Boy, this woke me up big time this week. In the midst of so many things going on this week for me, God got my attention and he said, I want you to make a fresh start. How many here would agree that they need a fresh start today? Amen. We all need a fresh start. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful that I wasn't the only one in the room who fully understood that they needed a fresh start. Father, I pray that you would take the great advice for a fresh start that you offer here in the Scriptures and that, Lord, you would pierce our heart with it and that you would remind us how frail our lives are and that, Lord, you would challenge us to make the most of every opportunity and that, Lord, we'd never stop seeking 
what your perfect will is for our life. Father, there may be someone in here who says, yeah, I need a fresh start, all right. I need a fresh start with my Lord Jesus. I haven't known him. I haven't been living with him or for him. I want a fresh start in my life. I want to start living for you, Lord. Lord, if there's that person here who has never accepted the Lord Jesus, never placed their trust and faith in him, I pray that that person will realize his or her need for a fresh start and they would declare this day to be the first day of it. Father, we're all in agreement too that often Christians need a fresh start. So many things have claimed to be the big rock, but they're not. They're all passing. They're all temporary. Father, help us to put the God-centered eternal things in first. Father, if there's a person here who would just like to just confess that they need a fresh start. Lord, this decision time is for them too. If they'd like to just spend some time in prayer, Lord, what a blessing it would be for us all to pray together for a fresh start. Lord, we'd want to declare our love for you and we thank you that, that your goodness to us abounds, that your mercies never cease, and that every day is filled with brand new compassions where we can begin afresh living for you. Lord, whatever your will is concerning the decisions your people must make, I pray that you would convict us and lead us and help us to take the step of faith needed to take a fresh start so that we'd be glorifying to you in Jesus' name and all God's people say.